This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, Vincent Price stars as Simon Templar, otherwise known as The Saint. He was once quoted as saying, the most difficult thing about that show was coming up with new and unique ways to get conked on the head. (laughs) After a large number of episodes, Price finally left, and his replacement, Barry Sullivan, only lasted a few episodes before the show was eventually canceled. It was resurrected due to public demand, with Vincent Price returning to save the day. The Saint was a swashbuckling Robin Hood type who, in his attempt to help people, remained just one step ahead of the police and crooks, both of whom he combated. And then the character was created by author Leslie Charteris. Vincent Price was best known for his performances in horror films, although his career spanned other genres. He appeared on stage, television, and radio, and in more than 100 films. He has two stars in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, one for motion pictures and one for television. Price was also an art collector and arts consultant with a degree in art history, and he lectured and wrote books on the subject. The Vincent Price Art Museum in East Los Angeles College named in his honor. He was also a noted gourmet cook. And now the episode entitled The Fighter's Contract. The Adventures of The Saint. Starring Vincent Price. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charter and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Vincent Price as The Saint. Randy Patterson. Oh, Templar, am I ever glad to see you. Just what the psychiatrist ordered. Sit down, old boy. Take a load of... Uh, <laughs> join me in a bowl of pork. Oh, thanks, but I... Ah, sirree, am I ever glad to see you. A sight for these bloodshot orbs. Yes, sirree. I realize I'm a very charming fellow and all that, Randy, but even though methinks this greeting is just a wee bit over-enthusiastic, uh, could it be we're leading up to a touch? Oh, Templar, old boy, leave us not be mercenary. There's nothing I'd rather leave us not be. My heart goes out to you, Simon, but not my hand. <laughs> Say, not bad. I'll use that sometime. You just did. No, I mean in one of my books. You did. Did I? Yes, in the case of the hangman's rope, or there's bad news tonight. Say, that's right. So I did. <laughs> what do you know? So, you read my books. I'm flattered. I read that one. Did you read my latest, uh, The Case of the Dead Man's Limp, or he died with his boots on and they were too tight? No, I missed that one. Oh, too bad. 
Well, that's why I'm glad to see you. Because I didn't read your book? No. Because maybe you can save my life. I could be killed on account of that book. Just that one? Oh, Templar, old boy, you cut me to the quick. The case of the cut-up author or who hacked the hack. Oh, it's no joke, Templar. You've heard of Kid Waldo? The heavyweight? Yeah, I've heard of him. Well, when he was just a punk, Georgie Garnett signed him up to manage him. Lifetime contract. Now the kid is in the higher brackets, and he's still tied to Garnett on terms he no like. Well, can't he afford a lawyer? He's got a lawyer, but Garnett swings a mean pen, no loopholes. The contract is ironclad. And your heart bleeds for the kid, and you're afraid you'll bleed to death, I see. Not exactly. You see, the kid figures an angle. Garnett has a wife. Oh, a lovely tomato any way you look at her. And brother, you look at her. You mean the kid looks at her? Precisely, and vice versa. You see, the kid is no bad piece of merchandise himself. Six foot four of solid muscle. What about his face? Well, his face retains much of its original shape in spite of coming in contact with some of the fanciest leather in the business. Mm Mm-hmm. Soft music, two hearts in three-quarter time. I get the picture. Well, not all of it. Don't forget uh, Garnet, husband. Ah, yes, triangle. Three hearts in two-quarter time. (laughs) And that's the kid's angle. Play up to the missus while she goes for him. So he can use her to get better terms from Garnet, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. Only the way I wrote it, the kid and the missus slipped the manager a dose of rock. The way you wrote it? Well, that's what I'm talking about. You wrote a book based on Kid Waldo's shenanigans with Mrs. Garnett, added murder, and put it on the newsstand? I did, so help me. And I do mean help. I see. One of your real-life characters has read the book. One of them, all of them. Uh Uh-oh. Garnett wants to know, are his wife and his fighter really giving them the business? And if so, how do I know? My wife wants to know, how do I know? My kid wants to know, how do I know? Well, how do you know? Templar, please. A writer protects his sources. He better start protecting himself. Well, that's where you come in. Uh, how big did you say the kid is? Six four. That's where I go out. Oh, now, wait a minute. I don't want any part of it, Randy. You deserve what you're getting. You should have known better than to use a real situation. Well, I didn't use their real names. You think I'm crazy? No comment. And I used a disclaimer. Any similarity, etc., you know. Yeah, I don't know how they caught on. But I used a switcheroo. The kid is a top heavyweight contender, but not in the book. I changed all that. Oh, you changed all that? Yeah, in the book, he's a lightweight. (laughs) Now, that's what I call a switcheroo. Well, they're after my hide, so you've got to help me, Temple. Well, what do you want me to do? You expect me to tell the saint his business? Oh, he'll think of something. I already have. Oh, great, what? I'm out of shaving cream, so I better go right Templar, down to the Templar, I store. appeal to you in the name of our friendship. I'm not You know, kidding. Randy, I'm beginning to think of a few names for our friendship that aren't exactly appealing. Oh, you wouldn't let me down. You couldn't. I could try. Is this Simon Templar speaking, my old pal, my buddy? Oh. The Simon Templar who oh, saw me through no. the darkest hours of deadly literary tea? Oh, Randy. Who stood by me when the critics descended upon my first poor, defenseless brainchild? Oh, who was the stop it, hater? stop it, Randy. You're breaking my heart. I'll do what I can for you, Randy. Oh, good old Templar. I knew you'd come through. But I still don't know just what you want. Well, it's simple, old man. These jokers are sore, all of them. Maybe they're after my hide. Well, that's what I've got to find out. In other words, one and all would thoroughly be delighted to see you dead. And you want to know if any of them are making specific plans for such delight, huh? Exactly. If we know what they're planning, maybe we can stop it. If, if not... You have a feeling all of a sudden any resemblance between you and a living person will be strictly coincidental. Right. <laughs> Why don't you give that punching bag a rest? It's getting tired. Who are you? Simon Templer. I'm a friend of Randy Patterson. Oh? Oh, please, kid. I want to talk to you. I got nothing to say. Well, then allow me. Look, mister. My lawyer's a Smith and McCormick. It's in their hands. 
You want to talk, talk to them. Oh, lawyers. Yeah, lawyers. I've been libeled. I never did none of the things it says in that book. You didn't? No. Well, then how do you know that the book's about you? How do I know? How do I know? Yeah, how do you know? Why, everything that happens in that book is just exactly like a... Uh, go chase yourself, will you? Oh, kid, you're looking the wrong way. This is my head. That's the punching bag there, see? Yeah. So long, kid. My name is Simon Templer. I'm looking for George Garnett. I'm Garnett. Uh, do you always greet your guests with a gun? Lately. When Monk isn't around. Oh, who's Monk? Bodyguard. Templer, eh? I've heard that name. Well, um, uh, what do you want? Well, look, I'd like to talk to you, but not in the doorway with a gun in my ribs. All right. Come in. Come in. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Templer. Templer. Oh, seems I... Uh, oh, oh, sit down there. Oh, thanks. Uh, have to take these blamed indigestion pills... Nervous stomach. Been under a strain lately. Terrible strain. By Jove, the saint. Uh, of course. That's right. Yes, sure, sure. Templar. Ah. Well, what brings you here, Templar? Randy Patterson asked Patterson, me to... Patterson, that rat, that skunk, that murderer. Murderer? Accomplice him. Uh-huh. Oh, who's been murdered? Nobody yet. Well, then why... Well, but somebody may be. Any minute, any time. Who? Me. That's what he said in that blasted book, isn't it? Me! But that doesn't yeah, mean... Yeah, me, me, me! Well, I tell you, Tamper, if I get murdered, I'll hold Patterson partly responsible. So help me, I will. Just because he said you might be killed, you have to thank him for the warning. But he won't tell me where he got the information so I can really protect myself. No, I can't sleep. I got... Where'd I put those pills? You swallowed them. Oh, oh, oh. Do you know, Templer? Do you know where he got the information? No. If you knew, would you tell? <laughs> oh, yes, you would. I'll just bet. Why'd you come here, Templar? I've been wondering what you plan to do. So do? I... Do? What can I do? Look, I got a beautiful wife. We were... Ha well, we got along. At least I thought we did. Then he says in the book... Well, you know. Yes, I know. Oh, confounded Templar, a thing like that. How can you be sure? Felice says it's a lot of eyewash. That's what she says, a lot of eyewash. But I've been watching her, watching her and the kid. That's the trouble. Get you suspicious. Mm -hmm. I've been watching. There's something between them. I know there is. But if only I could be certain. Uh, are you sure I took those pills? I'm sure. I mustn't forget. Doc says I'm... Well, anyway, back to what I was saying. Uh, uh, what was I saying? You think there's something between Felice and the kid? Uh, yeah, yeah, think. If only I was... Oh, who's kidding who I know? And if Patterson is right about that, if he's right about that, well, don't you see? See what? The murder. Oh. He could be right about that, too. It comes next. Yeah, the murder comes next. Not necessarily. That's why I got Monk. Big guy. Used to be the kid's sparring partner. Where is he? He ought to be here. Uh, say, look, you still haven't told me what you're doing here, Templar. What do you want? Nothing more with you, Garnett. But I would like to see Felice. Is she at home? No, at the Hotel Bennett. Oh? Yes, after this business, she moved out. Said I was too suspicious. Who wouldn't be suspicious? But I love her, Templar. That's the trouble. Why did he have to... Say, do you suppose there's a chance? Oh, no. Why do I keep trying to kid myself? Get out of here, Templar, will you? Get out. I'm going, Garnett. Goodbye. Hey, wait a minute. Where do you think you're going, Mr. Holmes? Monk! Monk! Oh, oh Mr. Garnett, I... 
I didn't know you was here. I seen this fellow come out of the living room. I didn't know who he well, was. Well, you might have asked before you broke my jaw. Is it broke? In at least three places. Ah, you kid. Is she a friend of yours, Mr. Garnett? Friend? Is anyone a friend in this doggy dog world? I don't know. Help him up, Mark. I'll help myself up, thanks. Oh, oh. oh. All right, Monk, you want sparring practice? I'll be glad to accommodate you. Wait a minute. What's she doing here, Mr. Garnett? I'm not quite sure. What, shall I throw him out? Look, Muscle Brains, I'd already be out if you hadn't suddenly rushed to the rescue. He's right, Monk, and speaking of rushing to the rescue, where were you? Well, taking a nap. I've got to keep in condition. I might have needed you. Well, you got the Roscoe. In that case, why do I ever need you? Say, that's a thought. Perhaps a... Well, Zambler, what are you waiting for? I thought you were going. Well, this has been such a delightful get-together, I can hardly tear myself away. I can tear you away if you need any help. I doubt it, Monk. From the look of you, you don't do so good when the other fellow's in a position to fight back. If you was in the ring as long as I was, you'd be kind of banged up, too. But I was plenty good, brother. Plenty good. If you want to know, even Joe Lewis was scared of me. Yeah, yeah, he was scared to fight me. How do you like that? Lewis was scared to fight me. How do you know? Well, did he ever fight me? Not that I know of. All right, then. I see what you mean. (laughs) Well, goodbye again, fellas. Come in. Mr. Templer? Well, look what I get, and I didn't even send in any box tops. What? I was expecting Randy Patterson, but he can wait. In fact, I hope he does. Come in, come in. Mr. Temper, you've got to help me. Well, in that case, you'd better call me Simon. All right. And what do I call you? Felice. Felice Garnett. Oh. Oh, I'm so glad to meet you, Felice. In fact, I've tried to reach you several times today. Really? Why? Well, you see, I'm a friend of Randy Patterson. I didn't know he had any friends. Well, live and learn. Yes, and I want to keep on living. That's why I came here. If you're a friend of Patterson's, maybe I made a mistake. Not necessarily. What brings you here? I heard you'd been to see my husband. I wondered what your interest in us was. I'm afraid I found out. You said you wanted me to help you. I did. When I heard you were involved, I thought you might be just the one to turn to. That was before you told me about Patterson. Any friend of his is an enemy of mine. Of course, but Felice, I believe in the old saying, love your enemy. It's rather difficult. Apparently, you need someone to help you. Why not give me a try? Just, uh, what help do you need? Well, it it can't hurt to tell you. I'm being framed. For what? My husband's murder. Has he been murdered? Well, not yet, but... You know, it's funny how everyone seems to take it for granted that he will be. He will. How do you know? Well, that's what it's all about. What? Didn't you read the book? Look, just because Randy wrote a book. But that's why he wrote it, so my husband could be murdered. Is that a fact? Of course. Patterson wrote a book, thinly disguised, about me and my husband and Kid Waldo. And it's a kid and I plot to kill my husband. So George read it, got frightened. Now he suspects maybe we really are planning to kill him. He's even hired a bodyguard. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't you see? It's all a build-up. And George really is killed. Naturally, it'll look like the kid and I did it. That's the whole idea. And Randy's in on the plot. Of course. The real killer hired him to throw suspicion on us. Just who is the real killer? I don't know. That's what I wanted you to find out. Well, it's an interesting theory, police. Theory? I'll check to see if it's anything more than that. You will? But but if Patterson's your friend, I... If he's pocketing blood money, this is the end of a not-so-beautiful friendship. And then, Felice, you and I could be friends. Oh, Simon, if you help me, we'll be more than friends. Aren't you forgetting just one small little item? Am I? Oh, you don't mean the kid, do you? So you don't really believe there's anything between him and me? Perish the thought. 
Well, then. But isn't there anything else now? Think on. Oh, I'm no good at guessing games, I'm. What about your husband? He isn't either. I mean, before you and I give way to mad rapture, shouldn't we think about him? Oh, oh so that's what's bothering you. <laughs> but we don't have to worry about him. He's going to be murdered. Now, don't look now, but isn't that what you want me to prevent? His murder? Heavens, no. I just want you to prove I had nothing to do with it. You'd better run along, police. No. Well, then why? I feel a previous engagement coming on. Don't tell me you're afraid of my husband. No, Felice. Then I don't understand. I'm afraid of you. Hello, Randy. I thought you were coming over here. Well, I've been detained, and uh, she didn't have a friend. But I'll be right over now if you've got something for me. Well, I can tell you over the phone. It seems each of your opposition has picked up reinforcements. Uh-huh. Well, the kid has a couple of lawyers. Uh-oh. I was afraid of that. And Garnett has a bodyguard. Mm-hmm. How about Mrs. Garnett? She has me. Oh, should have known. Want to look at her and you... I'm know... still running. What? But I'm afraid you're going to have to tell me who did your research for you, Randy. Templer, I told you it was strictly confidential. Well, you can either tell me now or the police later. Police? Mm-hmm, because your character seemed determined to act out the finale of your opus. Garnett is already shopping for a coffin. What? I just made up that stuff about the murder. I, I don't think the kid and the gal would really knock him off. The consensus is that somebody would, so you'd better talk. But I gave my word. Did that ever stop you before? Templer. To think that you should say such a thing. You who've been so close. Several is, we've been too close. All right, all right. I'm a no good, a heel, a liar. I'd sell my soul for a mess of pottage. But at least, Templer, it's always been the best pottage. Mm-hmm. Now, will you please stop talking and talk? You want me to betray a confidence? I thought we'd agreed it's in character. How true. How very, very true. Well, the only... Randy! 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 <laughs> believe in keeping you in shape, don't you, kid? Huh? Oh, you again, Temple? Yeah. Look, why don't you get lost and take Patterson with you? Patterson already got lost. That's why I'm here. I don't get it. I was talking to him on the phone. I heard shots. I called the police, and they called back from Patterson's place. He's dead. I'm not surprised. What do you know about it? He had it coming. From you? Maybe. Only somebody beat me to it. Is that so? I got nothing more to say. You want conversation? See my lawyer. Yeah, Smith and McCormick. I know. I may get around to it. Yeah, do that. Hello, police. Oh. Hello, Simon. I asked at the desk. They said I'd find you here in the bar. That's where I am. Here is the bar. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Very. Well, it isn't, and I'm awesome. Nobody's been here all afternoon except my friend, Tony. Tony's my favorite bartender. Tony, hey, Mr. Templer. Hi, Miss Templer. Charmed. Uh, Felice. Sorry, my bartender. Tony hit me again. My friend's setting him up. Okay, Miss Garnett. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> Girl, we gotta keep up with Simon. What are you drinking? I'll just watch you. I don't know why you're here. Good. Suppose you tell me. I've been wondering. You want to know if I have an alibi? Well, I have. I came right here from your place, and I've been here ever since. I see. You hate me, don't you? No. 
why you keep spying on me. I simply can't keep myself away from you. <laughs> I believe that. If you believed it, I wouldn't say it. Huh? You're just trying to mix me up. You've already mixed me up. What's this alibi you were talking about? Oh, well, for the murder, silly. Oh, and how do you know about that? It's not in the papers yet. Uh, really, Simon, for a smart man, you're the kid phone me. How else do you think I'd know? He didn't waste any time, did he? He knew I'd be interested. Nice of him to be so considerate. I thought there was nothing between you two. You are spying. I'm curious. Or maybe you're jealous. <laughs> I, uh, jealous, Simon? Terribly. I wish I believed that. What's between you and the kid? I told you nothing. He phoned you. Well, he knew I'd be interested. Oh, this is getting us no place. We could get someplace, Simon. If only you'd stop acting so slowly. So you could. Don't you like me? Just a little bit. Yes, Felice, I like you. Simon. Just a little bit. Simon. Who do you think killed Randy Patterson, Felice? Must we talk about that? I'm beginning to think it's the safest subject. Don't you have any idea who might have done it? No. I'm afraid I don't know what you want, Simon. And I'm afraid I do know what you want. Well, right. get this. Isn't this cool? Oh, hello, kid. Oh, well, don't get the wrong idea, kid. We were just talking. Yeah, it looks like. How about the murder? You were making with the moon eyes. Well, kid, believe me, there's nothing between Simon and me, not a thing. <laughs> He's right, kid. There's nothing more between us than there is between her and, say, uh, you, for example. Huh? And she has assured me your relationship was strictly platonic. Felice, you told him that. Oh, I don't get the wrong idea. Wrong idea? I ain't got any idea. Well, what does it mean? Blader was a philosopher, a student of Socrates, who believed that if two people well, got... a wise guy. Very. Kid, please don't be angry. No? You play around with this guy, and then he starts cracking smart. I ought to push your face in. Oh, kid, never strike a lady. And you, too. Or a gentleman, <laughs> when the gentleman is me. Oh, yeah? We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Felicity, miss. But not this time. No. Okay. Sorry. Now that only takes one. Three strikes, you're out. Now that's enough, kid. One more and maybe I'd be out, so I better be running. See you around. Oh, it's you. Mm -hmm. You greet me with a gun too, Monk. That's what I like about this place. So friendly. You got no idea how friendly. Just the guy we want to see. Come in, pal. Come right in. Now, that's a switch. Last time you were all for throwing me out. Oh, that's before I learned what a sweet guy you was. Now, come on in. Oh, with such a hearty invitation, I don't see how I can refuse. <laughs> you can. <laughs> you know, Monk, this is an unexpected pleasure. When I was here before, I got the impression Garnett was considering firing you. Oh, he couldn't do that. Where is he? In back. You'll be in a minute. Now, you want to see why he couldn't fire me? Why? On account of this, some things I can do so much better. Like, for instance, this. Oh, you kick so beautifully, Monk. Your mother must have been a rocket. Ah, don't try to hit back. This Roscoe's looking at your belly. All of a sudden, I'm everybody's target for tonight. What's the idea? Mr. Garnett wanted to know how much Patterson told you. He asked you nice, real nice. I don't ask so nice, but I get answers. Well, you want to talk now, or shall we dance? I have nothing to say. We'll see about that. <laughs> You still got nothing to say? I'm beginning to think of a few things, but I have an idea you wouldn't care for them. <laughs> you kill me. Maybe I can do the same for you sometime, like right now, for instance, unless you're ready to talk. I'll think about it. Well, while you're thinking, put up your hands over your head. Hurry up. Don't forget the Roscoe. My old friend? How could I? That's it. And now, just to help you make up your mind, here's... Oh. Well, hello, Mr. Garnett. What's going on here? 
Uh, hello, Templar. Greetings, Mr. Garnett. You don't want to talk, Mr. Garnett. I've been trying to change his mind. I'll go right ahead. Don't let me stop you. I'm afraid it's no use. He's a stubborn type. Yes, so it would seem, Monk. So it would seem. Well, Templar, to what are we indebted for this return visitor? I've seen Felice. I thought you might like to know how she's getting along. Why should I care? Does she care about me? Does she ever even call? Don't stand there with your hands like that, Templar. It looks ridiculous. It's Monk's idea. You heard Mr. Garnett, Templar. Put him down. Well, if you insist. How is she, Templar? Who? Oh, Felice. Fine. I was afraid of that. Afraid? I'd like to think she needed me. I've got to put her out of my mind, Templar, completely. Only answer. Tell me something, Garnett. What? Where were you this afternoon? Home. All afternoon? Yes. Why? Was anyone with you? I was. The whole time? Yes, except for another nap he likes to keep in condition. Only I didn't sleep so good. I was only gone a few minutes, just a few minutes. Half hour or so? Why, Templar? Did you try to reach me? Oh, no, couldn't have. I'd have heard the phone. If you were here. But I told so you what... you did. Just a minute. What are you going to do? Just this. <laughs> Templar! Why, you you knocked out Monk. Yeah, so it seems. Funny, I didn't hit him very hard. You aimed at his chin. Always was his weakness. Had a wicked right, but he could never take it. Round heels. That's his trouble. Ah, I could have made a champ out of him if it hadn't been for those... Ah, oh, but that's neither here nor there. Why'd you do it? He slugged me before when I wasn't looking. This evens the account. And it gives me a chance to get his rosk. Oh? I, uh, want to point something out to you, Garnett. I didn't want Monk interfering. What? Randy Patterson doesn't live too far from here. I believe you could make it in 15 minutes. Perhaps so, perhaps so. What are you driving at? 15 there, 15 back. Half hour would have been long enough. For what? For you to have gone to his place and killed him. Killed him? But, but do you mean have somebody? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't pretend I'm not pleased, but surely you don't really think that I... Why, that's... Prepar- that's absurd. Well, you could have while Monk was sleeping. No, no, you don't understand. It's at least 15 minutes to Patterson's place, at the very least, if you hurry, race like mad. How do you know? I've been there, but not today, not today. But you know, you said yourself. All right, 15 minutes, round trip and half an hour. That's all you needed. But, well, 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 that was just round figures. I'm sure Monk couldn't have been out of the room for, oh, well, 20 minutes at most. You'll see when he comes to, we'll ask him. 20 minutes at the most. Uh-huh. I'm sure he'll say whatever you want him to, but we'll see. Say, I just thought of something. What? Has has there been any report about the murder yet? Uh, newspaper, radio? No, not so soon. Mm-hmm. Well, then, Mr. Templer, how come you happen to know about it? A nice point, Garnett, but notice what big ears I have, Grandpa. I overheard. Overheard? In telephone. Come on, Monk, wake up. Wake up. Mm. Come on. Come on. Hey, hey where is he? I, oh, hey, hey, it was an accident. I, I slipped. I hit my head. You didn't... Sure, Monk, sure. What big ears you have, too, Monk. Genuine cauliflower. How did you hear about it? Hear about what? The murder. Who, me? I didn't... Obviously, Garnett didn't know about the murder, or he wouldn't have stuck his neck out by admitting you were out of the room. He didn't start crawling until I mentioned the murder. That's right, Templar. You noticed... But I also noticed that Monk was very busy trying to build the alibi before I mentioned the murder. Well, sure, I I was trying to protect Mr. Garnett. After all, I got a great sense of loyalty. No, Monk, you haven't got any sense of loyalty or any sense. How did you know he needed protection unless you knew about the murder? Of course. How did he know? Unless he was a murderer. Are you crazy? Maybe, Monk. But the alibi you were preparing for Garnett would have worked for you, too. If you were here with Garnett, you couldn't have committed the murder. Isn't that why you insisted you were gone only a few minutes? My head hurts. I got nothing to say. But, Templar, what motive would Monk have? There's one thing we've all been wondering about, Garnett. How did Randy find out about your wife and the kid? Must have been from someone who was close to the kid. Say, a sparring partner, for instance. Ha, 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 ha! 
Hensley, you've hit it. I think so. Monk gave Randy the information. Then when things got hot, Monk was afraid Randy might snitch, so he killed him to silence. That's it, Templar, that's it. Monk, you scoundrel, you villain, you... Ah, shut up. Monk, that's insubordination. Now, come on, Monk. You and I are going to police headquarters. Who says that? Ah, Monk, don't try to get tough. Maybe Joe Lewis is as scared of you, but I ain't. Come on, let's go. been listening to another adventure of the saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at this same time for another exciting adventure of the saint. Good night. by Jerome Epstein. Our cast included Betty Lou Gerson, Bonnie Phillips, Stanley Farrar, Edmund McDonald, and Tom Brown. The music was composed and conducted by Vaughn Dexter. The Saints, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, is a James L. Safier production and is directed by Helen Mack. Vincent Price is soon to be seen co-starring in RKO's production, His Kind of Woman. All you Saint fans will be glad to know that the Saint comic books are on sale at all newsstands. Your announcer is Don Stanley. Tonight, here Nightbeat, the story of Chicago after dark. Listen as Randy Stone searches the city for adventure and a story of mystery and intrigue. Nightbeat is another great action-packed program, so be sure to listen tomorrow night and every Monday night to Nightbeat. Next, Sam Spade cuts the caper. Then hear Dorothy Maynor on NBC. Stay tuned for Burns and Allen next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for George Burns and Gracie Allen as they get set to welcome the star of The Life of Riley, William Bendix. Well, hello. Come right in. Oh, George, we've got company. This is Bill Goodwin speaking for Lever Brothers, makers of Swan, the new white floating soap that's pure as fine Castiles. Well, it's Tuesday night again, time for another pleasant visit with George Burns and Gracie Allen, our guest, William Bendix, a special visitor, Herbert Marshall, Jimmy Cash, the Swan Tet, and Felix Mills and his orchestra. And now, meet the people who live in the Burns house, George and Gracie. Well, breakfast is just over at the Burns house, and George is about to leave for the office. Oh, George, I don't think you ought to go to the office today. You don't look well. Oh, I'm all right. A little tired. I, I worked late last night. No, darling, it's more than that. You weep. Why, at breakfast, you had to hit your boiled egg four times to crack it. <laughs> I did, huh? Yeah. And when you're feeling your usual robust self, you only have to hit it three times. <laughs> Yeah, before I was married, I could crack them with my bare hands. Well, I better get started for the office. No, dear. What you need is rest and nourishment. Now, you lie down while I go get a chicken and milk it for you. You're gonna milk the chicken? I, I would cream it, but all I have is milk. Say, 
like cream chicken. <clears throat> Sounds great, but I'd rather get to the office. No, there. darling. You're going to rest right here in this den. Shall I bring down the flower pajamas I gave you for Christmas? Oh, don't bother. They don't look good on me. Oh, I think they're very becoming. Why, across the hips, the flowers look like they're just ready to burst into bloom. Ah, <laughs> oh, never mind. Oh, dear company. I'll close the door so nothing will disturb you. Greetings, dear lady. Oh, good morning, Mr. Bolingbroke. Well, how is your school of culture and dramatic art coming along? Alas, it no longer exists. Me landlady cast me forth from me lodgings. Ah, too bad. Yes, and one cannot teach culture on a park bench. Policemen and pigeons spoil the mood. (laughs) Wait, I have an idea. Why couldn't you use my house for your culture school? Who knows, it might become as famous as the Louvre, the Acropolis, the Palladium. (laughs) That's a splendid idea. Ah, but there is an insect in the ointment of culture. Your husband. For some obscure reason, he considers me a bum. Oh, well, don't worry. We'll only hold classes while George is at the office. Now, you get whatever you need for the culture school, and I'll get rid of my husband. Good luck to you, Mrs. Burns, and good riddance to your husband. Why, George, haven't you gone to work yet? Huh? Let me see your tongue. Ah. Well, it looks fine, not a bit bloodshot. But, Gracie, a minute ago, you said... Uh, put on your coat while I answer the door. Yes? Excuse me, lady, but is this where the Gilhoolies live? No. Now, I'm sorry, you have the wrong address. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> Who was that? I don't know, but he looked kind of familiar. Well, goodbye, George. Hurry to the office. Do you really think I ought to go? I feel kind of dizzy. Maybe I've got something. My father never missed a day's work in his life. He had lots of things to make him dizzy. I know. I married one of them. (laughs) Hiya, folks. Oh, hello, Bill. You leaving, George? I guess so. Bill, do you think I look my usual self this morning? Well, no, George, you don't. See, Gracie? You look good. Goodbye, funny man. Oh, Bill, now that George is gone, I can tell you the wonderful news. I I didn't want George to find out about it, so you're the first one I'm telling. Why, Gracie, you're going to have a baby. I am? (laughs) Oh, Bill, that's better news than I have for you. (laughs) Well, what do you think it'll be? Well, wait a minute, Gracie. Isn't that what you were going to tell me? Oh, no. Oh. Well, uh, what is the news, Gracie? Well, Nigel Bolingbroke and I are opening a school of drama and culture. Oh, really? Well, say, maybe I could teach diction. Oh, are you good at that? Well, Grace, I don't want to brag, but just yesterday, one of the biggest radio announcers in this town came to me to help him with his voice. Really? Oh, yeah. He said, um, Bill, old friend, my sponsor is unhappy. Show me how you say swan. The new white floating soap is for soaps in one. The soap for your hands and face for bathing the baby. And the soap for your dishes and light laundry. Show me that, Bill. Oh, the poor man. Did you help him? Well, when I got through with him, he was talking like this. Swan is a great wartime buy. 
When you wash the dishes with a swan, you get heaps of suds. Suds so gentle, so mild, uh, you don't have to worry about rough uh, red dish panty hands. So he talked like that on his program and the sponsor was happy, huh? No, the sponsor fired him. He was supposed to sell coffee. Well, now, now, Bill, I'm afraid you won't do as a teacher. Well, okay, Gracie. Oh, by the way, before I go, do you know the Gilhoolies in this neighborhood? Well, now, that's funny. There was another man here asking for them. Well, that must have been William Bendix. He's trying to locate these friends of his from Brooklyn. William Bendix, the, the movie star? Yeah. Oh, my goodness, and I practically slammed the door in his face. Oh, the poor man. From the looks of his face, it's had lots of doors slammed on it. Well, you know, Gracie, Bendix is really a swell guy. I worked with him in the picture, Wake Island. You remember that big, dumb Marine? Yeah, I, I thought you were very good. <laughs> No, he, he was the big dumb Marine. Oh, oh, yes. Say, Bill, wouldn't William Bendix be a wonderful guinea pig for our culture school? Well, what do you mean? Well, if we could make a suave, sophisticated, leading man out of him, we'd be famous. You'd be magicians. He doesn't go for that culture stuff, Gracie. Well, uh, maybe I can get him interested. Oh, excuse me, Bill. Look, lady, are you sure you don't know where the Gilhoolies live? I'm just dying to talk to somebody from Brooklyn. Welcome right in, Mr. Bendix. You mean you're from Brooklyn? Well, they call me Green Perch Gracie. Well, hallelujah! Our young tenor, Jimmy Cash, with a brand new popular ballad, So Good Night. James? Good night, nothing more left to say when day is through. My dreams will all be of you. Ideal pupil for her school of drama and culture. 
So she has lured him into the house by pretending to be from Brooklyn. Gee, lady, it sure is great to meet somebody from Brooklyn. Oh, yes, the motherland. Yeah. Such a lovely place with its trees and its flowers and its little flat bushes. Yeah, you said a kisserful lady. What memories? Eating weenies and kraut from a push cart while the new moon caresses the Navy Yard. Oh. You make it sound like poetry, Mr. Bendix. Oh, I don't take no credit. Brooklyn brings out the poet in anybody that's human. Uh, and you are, aren't you? Yeah. Well, enough about Brooklyn. Let's talk about you, Mr. Bendix. Okay, that's an interesting subject. Um, how does it feel to be such a flop in pictures? Hmm? Oh, I ain't doing so bad. Well, the folks back home are disappointed in your playing a cab driver. They, they'd rather see you as Romeo or Madame Curie. Oh, I couldn't play them. They was foreigners. Ah, just the same The home folks feel that you've let them down And they don't feel that way about Ronald Coleman Gee, is he from Brooklyn? (laughs) One of the oldest families Well, that's funny I never run into him in none of the saloons (laughs) And Brooklyn is mighty proud of Walter Pigeon Him too? Sure You don't say You see, Mr. Coleman and Mr. Pigeon are successful because they're cultured Brooklyn gentlemen. Yeah. They make out pretty good with the dames, too, huh? Oh, oh, are you interested in women? Oh, yeah, they could very easily become a hobby with me. (laughs) Well, uh, why do you suppose Charles Boyer always gets the girls? Politics. (laughs) No, because he's a cultured... Brooklyn gentleman. I thought he was French. That's right, from the French Quarter of Brooklyn. <laughs> the left bank. The left bank? Yeah. You know, the other side of the Canasi Swamp. Oh, yeah. A lovely spot. Mm-hmm. You could get the girls, too, if you'd brush up on culture. Now, uh, for instance, I'll bet you blow on your hoop. Well, sure, but strictly proper, I never blow on it toward me. <laughs> Ronald Coleman doesn't blow on his soup at all. Fans it with his bread, huh? (laughs) Mr. Bendix, you do need culture. Wouldn't you like to become a gentleman? Lady, I'm a gentleman to the tip of my toes. Well, maybe, but from there up you need plenty of work. (laughs) I do, huh? Yeah. Now, for example, what would you do at a party if a young lady held out her hand to you? I guess I'd bite it. (laughs) Ronald Coleman would kiss it. Well, he ain't as lonesome as I've been. Yeah. Yeah, you, you better enroll in culture school right away. Okay, I'll give it a try. Where is this seat of higher learning? You're sitting on it. This is the school? Yep. We have a course that's guaranteed to make the average man a gentleman in a week. Well, do you think you can make me a gentleman in a week? Well, it might take a little longer, but don't worry. The months will fly by. Well. Come in. She's ideal, lady. Oh, come in, Dean Bolingbroke. I want you to meet our student, William Bendix. Well, well. Our first sucker, uh, seeker after knowledge. Uh, hiya, Dean. Do you think you can make me a Ronald Coleman? Hey, boy. We shall plant in you the flower of culture. It's up to you to make it bloom. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll bloom beautifully in Mr. Bendix. He's a perfect pot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
And now, my dear scholar, uh, shall we discuss that little matter of uh, the uh, uh, enrollment fee? Shall we? <laughs> oh, uh, you mean dough? Yes, yes. Uh, dough, as you so delightfully put it. Uh, naturally, you want to enroll for all our courses. Oh, sure. I'll take everything you got. It's mutual. <laughs> Now, uh, just count your money slowly into my palm. Okay. Ten. For elocution. Twenty. For rhetoric. Twenty-five. For poise. Thirty. For elocution. <laughs> you said that. Uh, uh, that was compound elocution. This is complex. Oh, well. I guess that's the bundle. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Here's a book I didn't see. You may keep that for your honesty. Oh, <laughs> Thanks, Dean. Well, not at all. You show great promise, dear pupil. I predict that you will make the Hall of Fame. And I didn't make a bad haul myself. Uh, farewell, friends. Oh, no, wait, Mr. Bolingbroke. How about Mr. Bendick's cultural lesson? Well, there isn't time today. If your husband comes home and catches us running this culture school, he'll skin us alive. Oh, dear, that's right. And we haven't got the skin to spare like he has. <laughs> How true. Oh, Mr. Bendix, you better come back tomorrow. Goodbye. Well, gee whiz, I paid my dough. I want a lesson. Uh, Mrs. Burns, I suggest we step into the next room and hold a faculty meeting. Excuse us, Mr. Bendix. Gee, if the folks back in Flatbush could only see me now. Me in a culture school. Hello. Hello. Is aren't you William Bendix? Yeah, why? Well, nothing. I'm a little surprised to see you here. Well, you look a little out of place yourself. <laughs> out of place? I live here. Gee, she ain't made you much like Ronald Coleman. <laughs> she? Yeah, the little dame, your daughter. <laughs> she happens to be my wife. Oh, well, well, I'm your new student. Student? Look, where is my wife? Well, excuse me. Why, George, you're not supposed to be home this early. I mean, uh, hello, dear. Bolingbroke, what are you doing here? Leaving. Goodbye. <laughs> Gracie, what's William Bendix doing in the living room? He says he's a student here. Is, is that all, all he told you? Yes. If he's a student, who's his teacher? You. Me? What do I teach him? Singing. Oh, stop. Oh, it's true, darling. You've been the talk of Hollywood since you sang at that party the other night. Well, I, I did kind of make a hit, didn't I? Oh, yes, dear. When you sang the desert song, you were so believable. All the sand and gravel of the desert seemed to be right in your throat. Gee, my desert is calling... Oh, come back to me. Oh, my sheik. So that's why Bendix is here. He wants me to teach him to sing. Sure. You know, Gracie, when I walked in here, I half expected you to make up some kind of a lie. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you're cute. <laughs> Felix Mills and his orchestra, and tonight with the Swantet, an old favorite that's back in favor now, My Ideal. 
she might be Just around the corner waiting for me Will I recognize the light in her eyes That no other eyes reveal Or will I pass her by And never even know that she is mine and Bendix apart so that George won't find out his home has been turned into a culture school. Well, I'm going in to show Bendix how I sing. Oh, no, you, you can't, dear. You see, when you sang the desert song just now, you didn't sound right. The, the gold was missing from your voice. No gold at all? Well, it was tarnished. <laughs> Some of the notes you sang were sort of green. Gee, I, I thought I sounded swell. My desert is calling. No, no, oh, I'm sorry, well, dear. No, no. But uh, I'm very sensitive to the quality of your voice. When it's bell-like tones are perfect, my whole body quivers. And it didn't quiver then? No, only my left leg twitched a little. <laughs> you mean... You mean I'm slipping? No, I'm sure it's nothing permanent. Uh, just this morning you were superb when you sang in the shower. Oh, I love the way you kept tuned to the rhythm of the drum beats. What drum beats? The water bouncing off your stomach. Oh, that. Showers seem to help your voice. Why don't you go up and take another shower now? A nice long one. But, sweetheart... Oh, please, George. Wash yourself back into shape and then show Mr. Bendix how you sing. Well, okay. I want him to hear me at my best. Uh, just tell him I won't be long. All right, dear. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry I left you so long, Mr. Bendix, but... My husband is home now, and I'll have to give you your culture lesson tomorrow. Goodbye. But, gee, lady, I want to go out stepping tonight. Couldn't you just slip me enough culture to get anyhow an ugly dame? Well, uh, maybe a short lesson, just long enough for a shower. What's that? Oh, nothing, nothing. Now, we'll pretend that we're Hollywood's two most charming and sophisticated personalities. Uh, you'll be Ronald Coleman, and I'll just be myself. Okay. Now, you're serving me tea, and you just say whatever you think Mr. Coleman would say. All right. Uh, 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 a saucer of tea, Madam Ship? Mm, cheerio. Lemon? Quite. Trumpet? No, just squeeze it. Uh, spoon? Oh, let's have our tea first. Pip, pip. 
<laughs> Been hunting today, Ronald? Constantly. <laughs> and how was the hunt? It stunk. <laughs> you, um, you didn't catch a fox? No, they wasn't fighting. Oh, how dreadful. Beastly. Well, how am I doing? Oh, you are wonderful. If it wasn't for a few things like your face, I'd have sworn you were Ronald Coleman. Hiya, Gracie. Uh, hello, Bill. Bendix, are you still here? Mr. Goodwin, you are now looking at the Bendix that all the women want. Well, you are built a little like a washing machine. <laughs> One more dirty crack and I'll kick your teeth in. Oh, Mr. Bendix, hmm? remember your culture. You should say, one more uncouth remark and I'll kick your teeth in. Oh, yeah. You see, Goodwin, this little lady has molded me into a Ronald Coleman. Really? It doesn't show. Oh, Bill, I think he definitely looks molded. Oh, George is out of the shower. You boys better leave. Uh, Mr. Bendix, I'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye. Bye. Well, Goodwin, now that I'm cultured, I ought to get plenty of things. Now, now, look, Bendix, if you want to get somewhere with the women, listen to me. Now, let's say that you have a beautiful woman in your home. Well, that's already further than I ever got before. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now, first you want to show her that nothing's too good for her, oh. you see. So you open the bar and you tell her to help herself. Yeah, go on. Yeah, her eyes will light up and she'll say, Oh, Mr. Bendix, for me, that whole bar of swan? Bar of what? A swan. That's the new white floating soap. Women are crazy about swan because it's four soaps in one. Great for their hands and face or for bathing the baby and tops for dishes and light laundry. Swan is four swell soaps in one, a great wartime buy. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean to tell me I can get beautiful dames with swan soap? Well, Sure. Holy smoke, and I've been wasting that stuff taking a bath with it. Well, no, Bill, that's not wasting it. A swan bath's wonderful. Even babies love those mild as may swan suds. Swan's pure as fine castiles. Say, if swan is that mild, that pure, you couldn't ask for a better soap for your complexion. Well, yeah, 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 but, but, but what about this beautiful dame I got in my home? Yeah. She's standing there clutching a bar of soap. Now, now... <laughs> But, uh... What now? Well, yeah. now you, you take her in your arms, Bill, and you squeeze her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One little squeeze, does it? The bar of swan breaks in two. Huh? And you put half in the bathroom for your hands and face tub or shower and half in the kitchen for your dishes and light laundry. Then you send the dame home. Send her home? Goodness, haven't you boys gone yet? Well, we were just... Well, uh, it's too late now. My husband's on his way down to give you a singing lesson. Singing lesson? But Ronald Coleman doesn't sing. But think how many more women you'll attract if you talk like Coleman and sing like Sinatra. Gee. Oh, well, you can be a new and different Sinatra. The microphone can lean on you. Gracie... George is giving singing lessons? Oh, yes. Why, if it weren't for him, Frank Sinatra wouldn't be where he is today. George? Sure, he found an apartment for him. <laughs> well, Bendix, uh, I'm ready for your singing lesson. Now sit down and I'll show you how you'll sound after five or six years of hard study. I ain't got nobody. Nobody cares for me. Including me. Goodbye, George. 
am so sad and lonely, baby. Won't somebody take a chance with me? But who to do? Oh, you see, see how he closes his eyes, Mr. Bendix. Yeah, he's closing the wrong thing. I'll sing sweet love songs all the time. If you'll be my baby, baby, then you'll be mine. I ain't got nobody, babe, and nobody, nobody, nobody cares for me. Bendix, when you learn to sing like that, you'll get plenty of women. Lady, the dames I could get with a voice like that, I wouldn't want. So long. <laughs> you'll get help for about ten years. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have with us tonight a very dear friend of ours, you all know and admire, who has an important message for us all. May I present Herbert Marshall. In the past five years in this country, 50,000 persons have been stricken by infantile paralysis. Thousands of these victims, most of little children, are still crippled. They need care, which you can help to give them by joining the fight against infantile paralysis. The National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis needs your dimes and dollars now to care for those already crippled and to check future epidemics. Send your dimes and dollars to President Roosevelt at the White House. Address your contributions to the White House, Washington, D.C. Join the March of Dimes and do it today. Oh, thank you, Mr. Marshall. Good night, sir. Our guest tonight, William Bennix, is now heard in his own radio program, The Life of Riley. His next motion picture will be The Harry H. The makers of Swan, the new white coating soap, join George and Gracie in inviting you to tune in to your Columbia station again next Tuesday, same time, when we will have as our guest, Paul Henry. The following week, William Powell. Remember George Burns and Gracie Allen, CBS, next Tuesday night. And now, till next Tuesday, this is Bill Goodwin saying, well, I, Swan, how about you? Good night, everyone. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Lights Out followed by Martin and Lewis. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Shonwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.